Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, which is all about leadership, such a vast topic. But I'm titling this week's episode, What It Takes to Be a Modern Leader. So the focus is going to be on some modern distinctions, you know, perhaps some new things that you've not come across or thought about in the same way under the umbrella heading of leadership. Uh, This week is episode 30. I can't believe it's the 30th podcast. Uh, A quick note of thanks, though, for everyone, to everyone who sent me a note following last week's episode, which was a lead meditation, a visualization, a way of connecting with our higher selves, um, at minimum, a way of quietening the mind and tuning in and turning in. And I drop one of those Uh, how would you say it's like slightly left of field episodes in every so often this week it's back to the the normal structure where I take a topic something that I work on or have a great interest in myself and to share some of my current learning on that topic nowadays of course when we think of leadership the phrase that goes with it is authentic leadership and that's something that's front and center with all of my work that sense of being genuine and open and honest and I think it resonates with people because in this more open and transparent era, you know, we don't have the same tolerance for lack of authenticity. You know, we seek genuineness, you know, gone are the days where, you know, we'll tolerate being manipulated or not feeling respected. So the focus this week, of course, is on authentic leadership. And as I say, within that, I'll be sharing some particular distinctions, maybe things you've not thought about in a, in, in, in a certain way before. I came across this quote a little while ago where it looks at the distinction between leadership and management, which is probably a topic in itself. I'm not quite sure where the source of this quote was, but it resonated with me. It said leadership is the art of accomplishing more than the science of management says is possible. Of course, leadership as a topic is far older than management. Management is something that only came into play at the time of the Industrial Revolution. And management, of course, is about identifying efficiencies, whereas maybe leadership is inspiring others and uh, and driving forward. I often use the analogy of management as about identifying faster horses when horses and carriages were the mode of transport. Perhaps leadership was creating a new industry of motor vehicles or, or seizing the opportunity and being agile and moving quickly to take advantage of a new industry. But as I say, that's a different topic. Back to today, I'm going to share with you 10 distinctions, 10 insights, and maybe a few other little nuggets of wisdom along the way. When it comes to leadership as a topic, it's easy to think about it if we look at someone in a traditional position of power, I don't know, a CEO or a political leader. But for me, leadership starts with the constituency of one. We're all the leaders in our own lives. And equally, modern leadership, as I see it, is as much about followership as it is traditional management, because people volunteer their followership. Uh, One of the things that I often find interesting when I'm working with people on the topic of leadership, particularly on a one to one basis where it's much more, I suppose, cutting edge and personal as opposed to maybe generic tips that come out of the box when it's a workshop, is that it's closely related to self-confidence in many ways. I often say with self-confidence where the the issue for a lot of people is putting the self back into self-confidence, as in what's important to them, what do they want, what's their own standards 
as opposed to when maybe we're lacking self-confidence, we're putting so much pass and emphasis on others and what others might be thinking about us. And the same is true for leadership. You know, I was working with a, a guy a little while ago and he came to me to enhance his leadership skills because he was in a position of authority and he had staff and clients looking to him for leadership. And the feedback he received was maybe he wasn't delivering leadership to meet the expectation of those stakeholders. And uh, we did many pieces in, in that whole area over the course of a few sessions. But what was interesting at the outset, you know, he was constantly looking for feedback from me. How am I doing, James? Was that OK? Was that right? Am I doing all right with the coaching? And that in itself was symptomatic of someone who was more externally focused than internally referenced. And there, there's always that balance to be had when it comes to leadership. And as I often say with people who are climbing a career ladder as well, when we start off in our careers, we're naturally quite reactive and we're instructed in terms of what to do. Then as we climb up a career ladder and move to team leader or manager, we're, we're pushed into that area, that area outside of comfort zone where we're required to be more proactive. If we don't instigate things, nothing happens. And for some people, that is more of a challenge than others. And often that's about putting the lead back into leadership, if I phrase it that way. It's like, where do I want to lead my people? And that starts by identifying where do I want to lead myself? So that's just maybe a little bit of context setting when it comes to um, my take on leadership. But now let's look at some specific distinctions. The first distinction is around being responsible. Now, that's a word that we associate with traditional leadership. You know, someone who's a leader is in a position of responsibility. But as I said a little earlier, for me, leadership starts with the constituency of one. So we're all responsible for ourselves. It's personal responsibility. And from a leadership perspective, what's wrapped up in that? Well, there's the ownership of behaviour. So if we say we'll do something, we'll do it. People have a sense of certainty and consistency from us. Of course, as adults, and this is not just true for those of us who are in leader, leadership positions, as adults, we are all responsible for our own attitudes. You know, I choose how I show up. So other people might stimulate certain behaviours or responses in me. But as an adult, I have the freedom to choose how I respond to that. That's why I often play with the word responsibility when I'm working with a group. And I'll, I'll humorously say we can break the word down in two and we can see it as being response able. You know, I want to be able to respond in different scenarios as best I can. And that really goes to the heart of leadership when you think about it as well. Another thing that we are responsible for is our own uh, energy. So I don't mean energy just as in get up and go, but it's almost like the vibe from us. And there's a modern definition of leadership that goes we are, you know, leaders are responsible for the energy that they bring into a room. And we know some people who light up a room and we know some people who are a little bit like emotional vampires and they will suck the energy out of you and out of the, the room itself. And I think as leaders, it's being aware of the impact we have on others. And that starts with uh, personal responsibility. The second tip or distinction I want to share with you is around being visible. Unfortunately, there are many managers out there who tend to retreat and who are not as visible or approachable as perhaps they should be. And I often think that's particularly true in challenging times where the role of the leader is to be visible and to communicate uh, to their people. 
you know, uh, there's a thing to do with approachability in this as well. You know, if if people, if your staff, if your clients are not coming to you with their problems or issues, it may be because they're empowered or you've empowered them and they test out their own solution. But unfortunately, in many instances, it's because they sense that you're no longer leading them, that you're not there adding value for them. Maybe they've added, they've lost confidence, I should say, in you or your leadership abilities, or they just don't see you as approachable. You know, I smile to myself when I think of a, of a client I did some work with a little while ago, and he was speaking about how approachable he was. And I knew from having done some work with other people in the room or in, in the organization, I should say, that morale wasn't great. And of course, morale is a symptom. The root cause of it primarily is how they're being managed. And uh, I knew how he viewed himself was not necessarily how others viewed him. And in the in the conversation, it came to light when I asked for evidence of this approachability and this visibility. Um, uh, he was saying that, you know, well, not many people cross his door or, or bother him. Um, and then he quickly added in that his office was actually in his his MD's office was actually in a different building to the rest of the staff. And they would have to come out and cross the road to go in to see him and to come up the stairs. And I was thinking about ivory towers and the such like uh, just because people you might say to them that it's OK to come into me and my door is always open. You know, if they're not coming in there, that's communicating something. So the second point is around uh, being visible and being approachable. The next distinction is around gathering information, but not discounting your own judgment. So leaders don't need to know all the answers. I mean, that's not a possibility anyway, because none of us are perfect. But uh, from a leadership perspective, it is useful to know the questions to ask and maybe where to find answers. Slavishly following the latest management fads, of course, reduces credibility. You know, I know the organisations or the managers who jump on flavour of the month and then it peters out and staff will throw their eyes to heaven and think, oh, well, it'll be something else next month. So we don't slavishly follow the, the latest trends you know management techniques and frameworks are not magic mantras but they're they're tools to reach for at appropriate times that's how i would phrase them it's a bit like choosing the right golf club for the appropriate shot and one size doesn't fit all there's no magic bullet of course leaders need to seek the wisdom of experts when they need to dive, dive deep on particular topics but it's always about using your own judgment as well and to some extent that goes back to putting the self back into self-confidence let me self-reference around my own desires wants approach what works for me and i'm balancing that with the external feedback feed uh, feedback or input uh, from others from stakeholders and their opinions so it's almost like joining two hands together which uh, which makes the link a little bit stronger so that's the next tip it's around uh, asking the questions seeking the uh, seeking to gather the information and then applying your own analytical and decision-making skills to that by not discounting your own judgment and instinct, realizing, of course, that not all wisdom is in the head, it's in the heart and it's in the gut as well. Tip number four is about not losing sight of attention to detail. You know, the T approach to management is, uh, or to leadership, is one that's often expressed, you know, like, like the capital letter T, broad across the top and then an expertise that deeps deep dives deep into in one into one particular field so of course leaders need to be concerned with the bigger picture the strategic thinking the higher level thinking but that's that can't really happen at the expense of not knowing the detail uh, or at least still caring about the detail you know how credible is a leader when he or she cannot ask or cannot answer a question 
you know, that a staff member or an audience member uh, thinks that they should know. And of course, like the previous point, we can't know everything, but we do need to be on top of our briefs. And that comes with the uh, awareness or the instinct to have attention to detail and maybe to see the exceptions to the rules. And then, of course, knowing where to go to to gather more information if required. The next tip, the halfway point, tip number five, uh, is seeing a modern leadership role as being a disorganizer. So what do I mean by that? If we think of management, managers are chief organizers. But sometimes the role of a leader is to be a chief disorganizer, someone who consistently challenges the status quo and perhaps encourages others to do likewise. I hate that phrase, you know, if it ain't broken, why fix it? I often say that that's the slogan of the complacent or the arrogant or simply those who are just scared. It's the mindset of someone who assumes that today's realities will continue into the future. But that's not feasible in an era where change and technological advances are simply getting faster and faster. As I say, management look for ways to improve efficiencies, and that's a vital role. But leaders perhaps look to the horizon and they look to see how things could be different. They look to change the game in the first place. So at this halfway point of tips, let me take a quick moment to thank you again for tuning in. If you haven't visited my website recently, jamesweetman.com, you'll see plenty of new articles and tip sheets up there. Of course, we're now coming to that time of the year where I'm organising my annual flagship workshop, SOAR. So this is the first episode where I can bring this to your attention, the date set for it, uh, January 30th, which is a Thursday evening. Uh, yet again, it'll take place in the wonderful surroundings of the Westbury Hotel in Dublin too. Uh, we'll run from 6.30 to 9 and the early bird tickets will be uh, available very soon on Eventbrite or of course you can access it through my website jamesweetman.com. So I'm finalising some details to make this the, the best event yet. I think it's my 12th one, the 12th annual event. It gets bigger and better every year because I keep trying to, to add to it and to bring new dimensions into it uh, and it's something that I'm very uh, excited about. So as I say more information is available on my website and of course social media platforms as well. So back to the tips and distinctions. Number six is one that I phrase loosely as you don't know what you'll get away with until you can try. I often say that if you ask enough people for permission or input, you'll eventually come across someone who sees their job as saying no to you. The thinking of many middle managers is that if I haven't explicitly been told yes, that I can do something or I should do it, I will operate from a place that I won't do it. You know, the default position is no. Whereas more progressive managers and leaders say that maybe if I haven't been explicitly told not to do something, well, then I can try it. I mentioned before an old mentor of mine who used to operate from the place of it is better to apologize than seek permission. And whilst I'm not advocating recklessness, sometimes we need to just push comfort zone. I would phrase it as simply as that. Uh, and, you know, even in terms of potential and possibility, we'll never know what's possible until we try. Distinction number seven is realizing that all endeavors succeed or fail because of the people involved. So therefore, the primary role of a leader is to engage and motivate and harness all the talents of their people, of their staff, of their team. So the role of a good leader is really to create an environment that will attract and retain and unleash the talents of the best people. Good leadership encourages everyone's evolution. 
great leaders know the importance of the recruitment process, of course. So emphasis goes into picking the right people, seeking intelligent and intelligence and judgment, the ability to anticipate loyalty, integrity, energy, and of course, a balance of ego and the drive to get things done. There is that phrase, and it's absolutely true, whereas leaders, good leaders create more leaders. They're more interested in creating leaders than they are in gaining followers. And effective leaders stimulate the loyalty of others and of their followership because that loyalty is a response to the respect and the inclusion and the fairness that leaders show towards their people. So that tip is really acknowledging what's based on common sense, uh, which really is leadership is about achieving through others. And therefore, we're looking to set up the others for success. Following on from the last point, the next one is acknowledging that from a pure leadership perspective, organizational charts and titles really count for very little. You know, if you have to use your title, what's written on the business card or your status to get things done, you've already lost the argument. You know, real power lies in the ability to influence and to inspire. Too many organizations extract the minimum compliance to minimum standards rather than unleashing the power of their people by fostering their leadership talent. There are so many organizations that I work with where they really operate from a place that they do not trust their people. They do not trust their staff. And therefore, you know, I'll often throw back across the management table. So you're hiring people that you don't trust. So much of effective leadership is based on achieving through others, as I say. And, and for that to happen, there has to be an element of trust that you're dealing with adults and people who want to do good work. And if something other than that is happening, the, uh, the recruitment process needs to be examined, as does the uh, company culture that has been created. Tip number nine is a simple one. It's about optimism and simply put how optimism is contagious. Leaders who whine and blame others engender that same behavior in colleagues. For me, great leadership is really about marrying realism with optimism. You know, for a minute, just think of the opposite of that, you know, being unrealistic and pessimistic. You're not going to get very far and you certainly won't be inspiring others. Uh, sometimes I'll say to groups as well that leadership is also about communicating certainty and hope, which is something similar. You know, certainty as into this is what's happening. People might necessarily agree with you or want to hear what you're saying, but at least they'll know where they stand. So certainty and then hope in terms of how things can get better, as opposed to, again, the opposite of that being uncertainty and despair, perhaps. So leadership is about reality and optimism, certainty and hope. And those qualities are contagious. So the last of the distinctions today is about communication skills. Now, that's such a vast area in itself. And of course, we all know that leaders need to be good communicators. But it's more than that nowadays. You know, in today's information age, a lack of information is not the issue. So like communicating is not the issue. It's making sense of all of that information. What great leaders tend to do is they discern information for their people, highlighting what they need to focus on, uh, what information means to different audiences, and why is that important. You know, a leader's vision is one that is neat and lean and compelling and certainly not vague and buzzword laden, uh, which is all, still all too common. Uh, and of course, decisions that are based on communication are 
based on certainty again and crisp and clear and they're not tentative or ambiguous. So modern leadership, like modern communication, I often say is about getting to the simplicity that sits on the far side of complexity. So like, you know, the detail, like one of those points earlier on, there is attention to detail, but you're able to discern what that is, that detailed information means for the different uh, audiences, for the different constituencies. So I'm going to close this week's podcast in a moment by sharing a question with you that for me goes to the absolute heart of modern and effective leadership. But there's been a lot of content this week. So let me do a quick recap on it. Some of these tips and distinctions. So the first one was around being responsible, not just for for behaviours, but for attitudes, emotions, our own responses uh, and the energy we bring into a room. Then it's about being visible and approachable. And it's not just about saying that. It's like, what's the evidence that demonstrates it? Uh, leadership is about gathering information but not ignoring your own judgment, uh, paying attention to detail, um, uh, diving deep when required, uh, seeing modern leadership as not just about organising and being effective but it's about looking for ways of disorganising and maybe bringing a curiosity into how things could be done differently here, not just the management of the status quo. Tip number six was that sort of flippant one around you don't know what you can get away with until you try and maybe you know to uh, to apologize rather than seek permission uh, then there was the tip around just acknowledging that leadership is about achieving through others and creating the environment in which others can thrive and if you're reliant then on you know job titles or an organizational chart for your power it's a little bit outdated modern leadership is about empowering others then there was the piece around certainty and uh, hope and realism and optimism and how those qualities are contagious. And it's actually what people are looking for because they make us feel good. And then wearing our communication skills hat, it's about simplifying and shaping meaning for the different audiences. For me, there's a question that goes to the heart of true leadership. And that question is, how are your stakeholders, so stakeholders being your clients, your people, your board even, how are your stakeholders better off because of you? That's a laser beam of a question. How are your stakeholders better off because of you? It brings us straight into a piece that gets us thinking about where do you add value? You know, what do your people who work with you say about you? You know, wouldn't it be great if they're saying something like, well, I'm a better person because I know them or because I've worked with them or because they have inspired me or they have helped me harness my skills and talents. You know, they've helped me develop competencies that I didn't even know I had. They stimulated uh, latent skills and traits. Um, we all achieve with and through others. And therefore, what would those others say about working with you? One final comment in this area of leadership. And uh, again, you will have come across this analogy before, whereas maybe the old hierarchical pyramid is upside down, whereas the role of a leader is to support the frontline staff and to be seen as someone who resolves their issues or problems. I came across a neat little phrase recently where it says great leaders shift power and, and accountability to those who are bringing in the beans, not those who are counting the beans or analysing them. So I thought that was a funny one to uh, to bring us back into the uh, the old inverted pyramid, as it were. So I hope you found this week's episode of uh, benefit. 
uh, I certainly uh, got a lot of information in there across the different points, but then leadership is such a vast topic and I'm sure I'll be returning to it again at a future episode. So thank you for tuning in. As I say, the date for SOAR, my annual workshop, has now been established for January 30th and um, uh, I look forward to connecting with you again. Thank you.